G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to the One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for Gospel Centre Ministry every week. Now folks, back home, we are into our fourth podcast of the day. And so Derek's getting a little tired. Oh, I'm not flagging at all. Oh, he's flagging. He's flagging. No, no, no. No, I'm fired up for this one. So the one thing today has been brought to you by the coffee shop below our (laughs) studio here in Sydney. Uh, And the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. Bonnie Coffee, I think. Bonnie Coffee. And you get um, sparkling water with everyone. You don't have to pay for that. I like that. Now you've pressed play on episode 17, Small Groups. Yes. All right. What you call them depends a lot on your kind of background and where you've, you know, where you've come from, your denomination. Uh, there could be Bible studies, could be community groups, could be cell groups, could be growth groups, could be fellowship groups, whatever it is. Um, what they should always be, though, is a place where Christians are maturing and being mobilized for mission. They, they can be, and they should be, hopefully, the engine room of maturity mission for believers. But that's not always the default, um, particularly if left to themselves, because that's not where we would tend towards. Now, if we want small groups to flourish, we need to think through how we build the right small group culture, one where people can connect around God's word and always with an eye to the, the bigger picture of, of making disciples. Uh, Derek's already flagged them as being the engine room. How much can they actually you know, do in, in the life of the church? In the next 15 minutes, we're going to unpack some of that and uh, we're going to put Derek on the spot and zero in on the one thing you really need to know about small groups. So, Derek, let's begin. Do you have to have small groups? No. But you look shocked. <laughs> you look shocked. No, you don't. Of course you don't. Um, no, you don't. And I think that one of the reasons we were talking about this before, one of the reasons for just acknowledging that is that there's no biblical mandate to have small groups. Isn't that what the picture we get in, uh, I think it's Acts chapter, well, in fact, it's all over the New Testament. It small is groups. All over. They meet in it small groups. All. Yeah, yeah, they do. They Well, they meet. They meet around God's word and they pray together and they have fellowship together and they eat together and they encourage one another. Um, but there is no biblical mandate to say that you have to have small groups. But, like, and the qualifier to that is, um, but small groups are an incredibly helpful structure to bring people uh, together to encourage one another around God's word. So you don't, of course, you don't have to have small groups, but they can be incredibly helpful. One of the things I'm seeing as I travel around the place, uh, particularly around Australia, is uh, there are different parts of, of the country, different denominational groups that, that seem to have a culture of small groups, others mm. that don't. And so uh, so if you don't have a small groups culture, a lot of the heavy lifting of your pastoral care uh, is, is actually going to be happening in uh, or taking place in the Sunday gathering or the or the gathering, the yeah. public gathering. Or pushed up to the top as well. So what what guy, do you mean by pushed up to the top? Oh, look, the guy, we pay him to do it. And so he's the one who does stuff. And think no, he's not, that's not only unhelpful, it's unbiblical as well. And so one of the things that this structure of small groups can do, if done right, is help us uh, mature people so that we are together loving one another. So what's the trap? Um, make a case, devil-like, for no small groups. Yeah, uh, they're, they're self-indulgent endpoints. That they are self-referential um, groups that have very little to do with the gospel, even though they have a gospel veneer. 
And so you talked about, you know, whatever you call them, there's been a, there's been a real pushback in the last few years towards uh, missional communities, uh, you know, mm. I guess in the way to say actually, hey, they are not a self-referential, let's just grow in our Bible knowledge, mm. but actually we want them to be the place where mission is actually taking place, yeah. where people are getting energised and then taking the gospel out. Yep. Uh, that, if that's the trap, what what are the opportunities? Well, the opportunities is I keep using this word, and when I was a villager, I used to say this all the time from the front because I genuinely believe it. They can be the engine room small groups um, for maturity in Christ, for the care of one another, as you flagged before, and for driving outwards on mission. They can be the engine room for all of those things um, if they're done in a good, healthy way. They're not the only thing. I'm not saying they're the only thing that happens in your church and it'll solve all the problems because I think um, as we, we think through teams as well and how people serve together, that again can be another engine room. But I think for how we how we grow in Christ likeness together around God's word, get into relationships where we can be vulnerable with one another, where we can care for one another, pray for our friends who aren't Christians, share the things that are going on in our lives, be in our lives in meaningful ways that aren't just about us but pushing us towards mission. Small groups are a brilliant structure around God's word to be able to do that. Well, you're painting a great picture. In a moment, I want to dig into into that more because how, how do you create the things that you're talking about yep. it requires a lot of work, and so I want to I want to dig into that in a moment. Uh, before we do that, though, we're going to open up the toolbox. Mm. So let me give you three uh, three cracker resources uh, for getting the most out of your small groups. I reckon that uh, that two great uh, books on this topic are Growth Groups uh, by Cole Marshall and Leading Better Bible Studies by Rod and Karen Morris. Now, they're going to do two different things. I think Cole Marshall's book uh, is excellent in, in learning how to, to write a Bible study and to, uh, and, and to grow in the task of actually you know, unpacking a passage and, and putting together you know, a, a great uh, Bible study that helps people mature and grow in their understanding of mm. God's Word. Leading Bible, Bible studies, I think, seeks to do that as well. But I found it's got some really helpful practical tips for leading the group. Yep. And so I think both those resources can be used really well. Mm. Uh, can I encourage you to jump on over second resource to uh, to, to Matthias Media's uh, uh, website. They've got some great Bible studies. They've got these things called Pathways Bible Studies. Now, these are uh, easier, easier English um Resort Bible study resources. So if you've got uh, communities in your church where English is not uh, a first language, I'd encourage you to go to MatthiasMedia.com and look at their Pathways Bible study resources. The third place is churchinabox.online in the marketplace. We've got a whole bunch of Bible study resources that you can uh, find for free or that you can purchase from a number of different books. Uh, that's a growing resource library of various people putting down you know, whole Bible study resource uh, resources and the leader's notes to actually help uh, equip your leaders in the church to, to run you know, good, healthy, maturing um, Bible studies. Yep. Now, uh, I, I want to get back to small groups. You can probably hear by some of those resources that I've recommended, you know, I'm, I'm probably tending towards Bible studies being the place where you know, maturity you know, happens. But you talked about them also being the place where care happens and importantly where mission happens. How, how, do, you, how do you actually move your groups so that pastoral care is happening you know, people are opening themselves up and, and sharing their lives and praying for one another. But also, how can they also be places where, you know, mission is encouraged and, and mission is taking place? Yeah. So just a few things on that. One is I've got to, I think you've got to acknowledge up front 
small groups, whatever you want to call them. It's interesting that you default uh, when you're talking to Bible studies. Again, that's just a reflection of our heritage. They default to, um, uh, yeah, they have limits. No matter what you do, they've always got limits. And sometimes we load them up with this expectation they will solve all the problems in our church. If we just... Uh, if we just write, get people around God's Word with a thorough Bible study for an hour and a half each week, uh, then people will mature or people will naturally care for one another or uh, yeah, people will naturally be motivated towards mission. And all of those things are natural outcomes. We just have to say small groups have limits. They can't do everything and we just need to work with that. We're broken. Other people are broken. Uh, no structure we implement will be perfect. So you need to define then within understanding those limits – what the purpose within the scope of your church ecosystem is. Like what role will they realistically play? So, so put that concretely for me. What do, you, what do you mean? Yeah, okay. So how is it that a small group, how is it your small group structure interacts with your uh, ministry service structure? Uh, and sometimes we have, uh, some churches have one-on-one Bible reading structures uh, or they have prayer triplets uh, they have uh, ministries outside of it as well. How they're, they're all small groups, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, well, they're, they're, and just different ministries and outworkings, but they all form part of your church ecosystem. And so you just got to work out, well, if I'm calling people, if I'm saying this is the engine room, this small group um, for my church, and so I want everyone to be in there, but I'm also asking them to do eight other things within the church ecosystem, how does that fit together? Something's got to give. You just can't expect everyone to do it. So you've got to work out what is the purpose of this small group within my church ecosystem? What do I think it can realistically achieve? And then within that, as you think about small groups, you've got to equip the people who are going to lead that with those expectations and with the skills to be able to uh, put in place things you're calling them. So that's one of the challenges. Uh, you know, I, I, I shared in the toolbox a number of resources. The way that I was trained to, you know, to lead a small group, you know, was to do, you know, the hard preparation of actually you know, coming up those those resources. A lot of churches I know now are actually providing, you know, sometimes a, a video, mm. uh, leaders gu- leaders guide, uh, you know, even even questions. And so so really, you just need to hit print, rock up, <laughs> rock up, and 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 say, que- you know, start with question one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's very different to how I learned, which is I, you know, you do the whole the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And neither way is right or wrong. And I know that might be a controversial statement in some, neither way is right or wrong. It's a, it's a contextual thing in some ways because the goal is to bring people together around God's word so they grow and mature together, care for one another and be driven out to mission. That's where we want to drive. So you've got to work out for the context that I find myself in, what is the what is the most effective way to do that? And so you've got to set expectations for that because everyone's going to bring their own. So you've got to be clear about what small groups in your context looks like and you've got to pitch the material correctly uh, for that. And so, you know, in some contexts, doing an hour and a half Bible study is no problem at all. Blink and roll, they go for three hours, there's no problem. In other contexts, it's just too intense. In some contexts, you can just say, here's the passage, work through it. In other contexts, you need to give people more of an outline. And that's where things like Matthias Media Studies can be really helpful because they're very thorough with that stuff. But some people, in some contexts, that won't work. Um, so, so how do you equip leaders? Given given some of those con- considerations, yep. uh, what you're asking is quite a lot. You want someone to mature them. You also want someone to, uh, you know, be caring as well. Mm. Like I, I can write a Bible study, but now you're wanting me to be vulnerable and to uh, to to learn to, to do pastoral care. And then the third thing, you actually want me to, you know, help model mission and and push out with mission. That's a lot of stuff for the for the the leader of the of the small group. Yeah. Uh, so I want to say two things on that. 
One is, yeah, at some level you're right. It is hard to lead a group and there are certain skills which you're going to need and some people are going to be more adept at it than others. And so there is a certain requirement. As with leading anything, small groups is just one, a certain level of uh, training and equipping, a character, competency and conviction you're going to need from these people who lead that you're going to need to help them with. Identify who's appropriate, train them in that, give them material to help them get up to the, the watermark where they can do it well and they don't feel like they're kind of drowning in that. But I do want to push back on one thing you said, is it's not all their responsibility. Their responsibility is not to mature everyone in their oh. group, just as the responsibility of the group is 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 not just to uh, receive that and not give. The group is there together to grow one another, and the leader is there to facilitate that, not to make everything happen. So part of equipping the leader is to help them have those clear expectations so that they can know what their role is with that and then to set that for the group as well. So they don't feel like... You know, they're an unpaid full-time pastor. Although in some ways, biblically, you'd say they are, but everyone is. So Now, if this is the engine room, you obviously want to have, what, 70%, 80% of people in small groups. How do you you get that culture of, you know, yeah, we go to a small group, you know, during the week? Uh, With great patience and deliberateness and, and endurance, I think. You have to create a culture where it is natural for people to be included within those structures and not excluded. So when I was talking at the start about self-referential groups, that's part of the problem. You get a closed system. No one is invited in. So you need to find the balance between that and not breaking a group every single week by introducing a new person. You need to come up with structures to manage that. But you need to do things like talk about it from the front. It needs to be clear how people get to that point. There needs to be transitions so people can move into that point. And you need to, the engine room behind that is the raising up of leaders. There's a whole number of things which you need to do. Uh, as we start to think about uh, these courses on Church in a Box Online, we're going to have a course on small groups. But some of these other course, books you mentioned as well are really helpful for thinking about that. You need to be championing this stuff from the front if it's a key part of your structure, as with anything else. And you need to be giving people a clear pathway into it. And one final thing, how do you make mission a part of these groups? Well, it just has to be a part of what they do. And so you want... Churches do this a different way, but I find really helpful ways is to having within the group, praying for three friends. And so we know who you're praying for each week. And we pray for those people consistently. In the material you present, uh, put together, it might be praying for people who are doing mission overseas, praying for people who are doing mission here, uh, praying for the mission, the events that are going on. You want that constantly mixed around the material and the conversation you're having. So we are constantly thinking, at some point, our group might group might break and multiply. That may be what happens. But always thinking about the outside in our language, always. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Derek, what's the one thing people should be taking away when it comes to small groups? Uh, the one thing is this. Your small groups aren't the end point for community. They are the engine room for maturity and mission. Now, if you're looking for more resources on promoting maturity and mission in your ministry, then we suggest you wander over to the Geneva Push website, genevapush.com forward slash resources. You'll find 3,000 Australian-specific resources and a growing library of resources. Uh, Click on the resource link, put maturity in the bar, and watch the resources just roll on up. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next episode. Well, in the last Australian census, 30% of respondents identified as having no religion. Well, next show, we're going to be tackling those nuns. 
Not nuns, but those nuns, those people who do no religion. What can you say that actually might get them interested in having a conversation, continuing a conversation about Jesus? It'd be good to tackle nuns, though, wouldn't it? That would be also good. <laughs> anyway, I'm Scott Sanders. <laughs> I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. Mm-hmm.